Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 36. On the line tonight, we've got John McCowan, the head boys basketball coach at Cedar Rapids Kennedy here in eastern Iowa. Uh, but before we get to Coach McCowan, uh, we want to recognize our sponsor for this episode, COSAC Chiropractic, which is located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see COSAC Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at COSACChiro.com. That is K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com. Or you can uh, give them a call at 402-964-0300. Be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. You can follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to have daily coaching tidbits on a pen and a napkin, so please be sure to follow us there. Obviously, if you're listening, you're on SoundCloud or iTunes, so download, rate, review, subscribe, give us a five-star review uh, so that we can get the word out and gain momentum here in our ratings. The whole purpose of a pen and a napkin is to help other coaches get better and to hone their craft. And last but certainly not least, if uh, you would like to email the pod, please do so at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, ideas, or suggestions, give us a holler and we'll we'll try to address it. Coach McCowan, my phone is going crazy here. I keep getting uh, uh, little beeps coming in here. Hopefully that's going to stop here pretty soon. Uh, But how are you doing on this fine Sunday evening? Oh, we're doing wonderful. The uh, weather was good in eastern Iowa today, so the kids and wife and I were able to go outside, play a little basketball in the driveway, and uh, just try to keep it as normal as possible in these times. Yep. Yeah, exactly. In these times, you try to keep it as normal as you can. Um, who won? Or was it just a shoot-around? Oh, no. It's competitive every day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> our, our boys are 13-9-7, and uh, it's not good when you kind of have to start playing hard to uh, just keep up with them. So, <laughs> it's, uh, actually, it's been a lot of fun. You know, sometimes when you just you know, we're, we're in this continuous life cycle of what's next and running everywhere. Um, you know, it's been fun to kind of go back to, you know, kind of the days that I remember. It was a little bit slower growing up and being able to shoot around and play games with your kids in the yard and uh, have nowhere to go. So I was trying to make it a little bit of a tradition. I hope everybody out there, you know, has a little bit of something that they've um, slowed down and enjoyed, you know, eating dinner at the uh, dinner table. You know, I, as I talk to people around the community, they're like, oh, I've never used our table so much. This is wonderful. <laughs> like, hopefully, you know, hopefully all of us remember kind of the, in these slower times of what's making us happy. And, uh, you know, for the McCallum family, it's kind of been some family basketball games in the driveway. So uh, we've had a lot of fun with this, but uh, they, they're definitely competitive. So you're a. Uh... You're kind of having to go back uh, into the uh, into the repertoire a little bit now. The, the the boys are getting old enough where you're you're bringing back your Charles Barkley, you know, pound the rock low post game there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the uh, my 13 year old, like you know, he's kind of quick enough now that you have to play really hard to kind of stay in front of him. Like you know, I, I kind of miss the days a little bit where you let him win. It's like <laughs> you have to compete and not to get embarrassed. <laughs> so, but it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. And my wife Jody was an athlete growing up and in college, and she's super competitive. So 
Like, nobody takes it easy on mom either because she's uh, dishing it out to the boys. <laughs> my, uh, my dad would never let me win. You were at least nice enough to let him win. My, my, you know, we, we had a, we had a Nerf hoop in our basement and I, I grew up in this old Victorian era mansion. Um, it, it's now that the house is, is still there, but it's like 120 years old. Um, and, uh, uh, so we, we had this Nerf hoop and I'm talking old school, like you had to drill it into the wall Nerf hoop and we'd go down there and we'd play games and, you know, I think I'd be winning and then he'd, you know, you know, pull it out at the end and I'd come up, I'd just be crying and, you know, I'm like six or seven years old and I, you know, my, my parents told me this later, my mom would just chew my dad's butt, will you just let him win one time, you know, uh, so I I, yeah. I I I think that was I think it might have been a little bit of the master plan I'm not sure so um, oh I'm sure yeah so well oh well oh well so well coach you've had a, a, a an interesting journey here uh, a, a great uh, resume so far 18 years as a coach uh, 10 state tournament appearances uh, three uh, 321 wins 121 losses. Uh, so by my history teacher math, that means you win about three out of every four games. Um, and, uh, one state championship, a perfect year in 2013 down in Ottawa, Kansas. So, uh, just a, just an incredible, uh, run that you've had so far in your career. Uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and, and how did a guy from Iowa end up going to Kansas and then coming back to Iowa? Yeah. Um, you know, God's plan is always different than, the one that we kind of think we have for ourselves, you know. Um, when I started coaching, you know, my dad was a coach when I was four years old. He got his first head coaching job at Wapsie Valley High School. So, you know, growing up uh, at Wapsie and, and going to all the games and seeing the players uh, and how they interacted with my father. And then, you know, after they graduate, they come back. And, you know, one of the first things they would do over Christmas break is, stop over to our house and just check in and see how things are going. Like I knew as a young child that I wanted to be a coach and, and I didn't know why, but you know, later in life you figure out because you're able to impact so many kids in their lives. Um, you know, it's kind of the direction I wanted to go. And, uh, my grandpa was a businessman. I remember him saying a lot of times, you know, John, you can do whatever you want. You don't have to coach because your dad coaches. And I think he was probably really smart because he saw the crazy, life that coaches live and you know how they have to have great families too to, to be able to put up with that for the four or five months that we're that we're spending circles and um so i knew i wanted to get into coaching and i got an opportunity at uh actually at 22 years old dave smith hired me at nu high to be a, a, their head basketball coach and i was a student assistant for co-college one year and then i helped my dad out for a year um, when I was finishing up school in Upper Iowa as an assistant coach. Um, and then I got this opportunity at 22 to coach uh, in New High, which was just a, a wonderful opportunity. It was a small school and inside of Cedar Falls, inside of the city. Um, it, but it was a small school. It was about 40 or 50 kids in class. Um, but it was just wonderful. Just uh, the kids and the families and um, everything worked out great. We loved it. Um, and I could have spent the rest of my life there. The school's not there anymore. Um, you know, they, and you, or you and I, it was a laboratory school for Northern Iowa. And they, mm-hmm. um, through budget crises, they, they had to close the school eventually. But a couple of years before that happened, 
John Deere, and there's just an, a job opportunity in Kansas City, and uh, it was just kind of one of those can't pass up opportunities, so we moved to Kansas City, and the great part about being an educator is they need coaches and they need teachers, teachers everywhere, Yeah, and we're pretty flexible, so yeah, yeah. Uh, we went down to Kansas City, and I had a couple of job opportunities, but not coaching opportunities, um, and we were pretty successful at NU High, but these are just in Kansas City, it's just huge schools. Um, uh-huh. You know, they their classes are 6A and, and West Des Moines Valley is a small school compared to some of these Kansas City schools. So, you know, I was interviewing for jobs and uh, just kept getting turned down, kept getting turned down. And uh, uh, eventually, I, I barely remember applying for this job and I was just applying for every job possible, just trying to, you know, get some type of uh, education opportunity down there. And, um, this Ottawa, Kansas called. Um, it was almost July. Um, so, you know, schools kind of thinking about you know, where you're going to be next year. Interviewed in the middle of July. And uh, it was actually, we bought a house on the north side of Kansas City. And Ottawa was on the south side of Kansas City, 30 miles down there. I commuted 75 miles every day. But, you know, it was one of the best opportunities in the world. I didn't know that when I took the job. But I got offered a head coach and a teaching job. I'm like, I'll drive yeah. anywhere for that right now. Yeah, exactly. I thought, I thought I was, you know, just going to be a uh, a teacher in, in one of the Kansas City schools or a long-term sub or something like that. So I'm like, well, that's okay. And, and it was in 2008, so kind of a, you know, a sidetrack story, but everybody remembers in 2008, uh, we had the you know, the economy kind of crashed. So we bought this house and then all of a sudden it's not worth what we bought it for. So <laughs> we ended up, I ended up driving six years, 75 miles one way. Um, but never like, you know, it was great. You just make the best of every opportunity, but, um, you know, you could decompress after practice, after games and, you know, you just figure out a way to make it work. And the school district was great and flexible. Um, and, you know, we just had, some wonderful kids that were really into basketball. And it was a good uh, athletic school when I got there. Um, and we just had some really good kids that were interested in basketball at the same time. And, and we were lucky enough that a kid developed um, in Shimmy Ojale, who plays for the Celtics now. So, you know, when you have somebody like that come through, um, you know, you win a few basketball games. So, yeah. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, Shimmy and his, and all the teammates just had, we had a wonderful run down there. And, um, but at the end of that, um, you know, John Deere was kind of, he was kind of a three-year job for my wife. Um, but then Shimmy and his class rolled around. I'm like, well, we make this six. Did <laughs> 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 you really want to take off from? And, uh, and they were great. They were wonderful. They let us do that. And then we moved back to Iowa. Um, our oldest was, just getting ready to go into first grade and Jody's from the Postville area and me being from Fairbank. It's like, well, you know, we had left with one kid and then came back with three kids. It's like, you know, you want to get around family a little bit. It was one of our goals. So, um, but then at that point, like looking for a job also, you're looking for a good kid for you personally, but then, you know, like the realization of, um, you got to pick a school for your kids now. Like, mm-hmm. It's not just about you. So yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Looking at schools in Iowa, we came back and uh, we wanted to move to the Quad City area for for John Deere and her work, and 
there's a couple opportunities. It just didn't feel perfect. And um, again, you know, tear up. Kennedy came open, and it just like it just it was one of those things. Where like, yeah, this is it. This, this is the right fit from the administration standpoint, from the other coach, the other head coaches to work with. And uh, she just said, Jody decided she was going to commute this time, and, uh, and so we moved to Cedar Rapids. And uh, you know, it's it, hopefully our our last stop in this journey of raising kids. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's 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 a pretty fascinating journey. I can relate to that 2008 thing. We bought our uh, we bought our house in 2003, and we said five years. Five years, okay. You know, let's put some equity into it. Yep. We'd done the research on the neighborhood, and you know, we thought we'd make a nice profit. And we put the for sale sign in the ground, and you know, the the proverbial poop hit the fan. And uh, yeah. you know, and uh, our our five year house has now become our seventeen year house. Uh, so, <laughs> you, you know, what do you do? What do you do? So, um, you you referenced your dad. And, and, and not only is your your dad a coach, uh, but your brother uh, Brooks, who is a heck of a basketball player as well, uh, is is the head coach at Upper Iowa, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, coaching definitely runs in the family. Um, you know what's uh, what's what's that like when the three of you guys get together? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, we get together on the phone a lot during the basketball season. Uh-huh. And my sister actually was a head coach at Hudson also. Um, and then moved up to Nebraska. Her and her husband started her family out to Nebraska in the Omaha area. And she's the principal. Um, she chose kind of the principal route now out okay. there. She's the principal of the assistant principal of an elementary school out there. Um, but, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, you don't really realize it just because it was – the way we grew up, um, we all grew up extremely interested in basketball and playing it. Um, but it's it's kind of our little family network when things aren't going well or when things are going really well. You know, we call each other on the way home from games or, you know, on the weekends and just able to talk through different scenarios. And um, being able to have four of us kind of in that group that have been through the fire, uh, we share a lot of ideas with each other. Mm-hmm. Um and then obviously, you know, we razz each other quite a bit too. You know, Brooks playing in that NSIC conference, like just unbelievable basketball, and they'll score, you know, 115 points and win by two. <laughs> exactly. Like, Do you even work on defense? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And then, you know, he'll see our scores, of, you know, whatever. Maybe it's a tough night for win. 'll you saw something else yeah exactly no uh, no not at all is there is there is there a um is there a drastic difference in any sort and, and we'll get into your philosophy here in a little while but is there any major uh difference philosophically between any of you guys where uh, you know 
somebody runs a one three one, and you're like, I wouldn't want to run a one three one. I to save my life. I, I would rather lose than run a one three one or or something like that. Is there or, or are you guys pretty uh, pretty linear in how you do things? Um, you know, I think we're we're different, but we all kind of try to evolve to the teams we have. Now, Brooks has a little bit of an advantage because he gets to recruit his kids in. Um, but like when I played and when my dad started. Is, is for as many points as fast as possible. And, you know, he won a state championship this year with walking the ball down the floor and playing jump defenses. And so, you know, we're, we're always trying to, like, just kind of look at the kids we have and put them in the best places to be successful. So we are different. We are completely different every single year because we never have a team that kind of look alike. Sure. Um, but I think we've all kind of done some of the same stuff in different years. And that's a great part about being able to share so much with each other is, um, you know, we can reflect back to, well, when I had this player, when I had a really good point guard, when I didn't have a good point guard, you know, these are some of the things I've done. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's kind of ever-evolving, but when you are stuck in that season, you know, and you, you go on a win streak, and, you know, like Wapsie this year with my dad's team was, um, you know, the one, 13 or 14 kind of down the stretch at one point he was telling us like I have the greatest defense you've ever seen in your life (laughs) 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 a bunch of tough guards and a really big kid to protect the rim (laughs) you're talking about (laughs) so yeah no it's ever evolving and um, so it's it's fun I think we've all kind of been in those spots and um, and we definitely we learn from each other a lot yeah, so it's it's a situation where like if you say, hey, you know what, I, I think I might have a group that uh, that is, you know, we might be able to run some one three one just to pick a random thing. You know, you could call up Brooks. Hey, hey have you have you ever have you ever tinkered with this? Oh yeah, yeah. If you have, yeah, here's a couple of drills. Here's some things that you might want to think about. You know, I'm sure those conversations go back and forth, right? Oh, all the time. Yeah. And with the the video software we have now, um, it just we send each other clips of stuff all the time, like. You remember the set play we all used to run a few years ago? Like we ran it against this defense now, or yeah, definitely on the on the defensive side. You know, you know we're struggling with rebounding on the backside of the one through one. Do you guys do anything to fix that? And uh, you know, just able to share some thoughts. And it's like having you know three other assistant coaches and what we already have on staff, just throwing out ideas to each other. And then as the head coach, you kind of get to figure out is that going to work or not for our group. Yeah. Um, you, uh, you mentioned your dad, he won a state championship this year. Uh, but I saw a story where you were really heavily involved, especially when it got down to the state tournament. What was that experience like? Um, and, and, you know, kind of just explain your role behind the scenes and, and what you were doing to, to help your dad out there. Yeah. So every year, um, you know, one of us is maybe on a run quite a bit longer than the others. Um, you know, three years ago, Brooks um, made the NCAA tournament for Division Two, and we were still playing in a state tournament, but, like, my dad was taking films, you know, and watching them of, of the team. It was uh, Northwest Missouri State. Mm-hmm. So he was like, well, give me their pre-Christmas stuff. And, like, you know, like, let me go through that, because you guys don't have time to go through that. Um, and, and it was kind of the same thing this year. Brooks and I were out of the tournament, and... Uh, my dad's team was still playing, so it wasn't just me. It was Brooks, me, and, and Brittany. We 
who watch different films and just, you know, maybe cut out, you know, hey, have you seen this set play on something else? So, like, you know, it's kind of a, uh, I, I guess I call myself kind of a consultant a little bit. Um, but his substate was all in the Cedar Rapids area. So even when we were still playing, you know, we could, we would be done with practice and then we'd drive over to his game and, um, I guess it just evolved a little bit as, as coaches, you're not very good at keeping your mouth shut. <laughs> so, you know, it kind of evolved. They were playing Albernet at Albernet. Jim was packed. And when we got there, we kind of, we, my family and I sat right behind the bench. Like, that was the only row open. It was like one row behind the bench. And, um, you know, Albernet came out of a, a timeout to, in a zone. And I, I kind of heard he had a man set called. So I just kind of yelled at him like, Dad. They're in a zone, and, you know, it's like, oh, okay, so they're able to kind of adjust to that, and then, um, you know, just different things throughout the game, then after the game, like, you know, um, why didn't you do this, why didn't you do that, so then I, I just kind of got heavily involved in his personnel at that point, and, and what they were doing, and it was just kind of another set of eyes for him, so, you know, it's kind of the same thing, you know, I throw ideas at him, and sometimes he'd take them, sometimes he wouldn't, but it was a lot of fun, like, just to just to be there and, you know, watch watch him coach from maybe as an assistant coach's standpoint. Um, you know, there's some kids on that team that when, when I was living in Fairbank that were born and I would babysit, so I kind of know their families a little <laughs> bit. So it was just a, it was just a, a really kind of – it was fun to be able to be a part of it and not have to be torn to be somewhere else. Um, you know, because you've got, you know, well over 500 wins and he's only played the state championship game one other time. Mm-hmm. And um, this, this was a really, really good team, but I don't even know if this team would argue that they're the best Wapsie team ever. Uh, he's got a really, really good team, mm-hmm. but this team definitely played the best at tournament time. Yeah. You know, they were the four seed coming into the, their sub-state, you know, and so then they, they sneak out a state tournament run, you're like, oh, that is, that is wonderful. Like, that's just great to see the kids play right good at the right time. Um, you know, and I was watching uh, their Lake Mills team that they were going to play. I'm going, I was telling Jody and my, and my three sons, like, they don't have a chance. Like, this team's good. <laughs> 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 you know, but my dad's going, if I'm going to play the best team in the state, I want to meet the prep for them. Like, that's awesome, Dad. I'm, I'm glad you're optimistic. You know, you wouldn't tell them that, but you're thinking that in the back of your mind. And then, uh, but the kids believed it, he believed it, and uh, they just got on one amazing run at the state tournament. You know, they beat three teams that were, they were more talented. Than, I mean, they were the 18 for a reason mm-hmm. um, down the state tournament. They just, kids played well. Like, every single one of them played their three best games of the year at the state tournament. You know, and that's the fun part of, you know, just like watching the NCAA tournament, you get those, uh, Cinderella teams are just playing good at the right time. That was Wapsie this year, so that yeah, was fun to be a part of. Those things tend to even themselves out over time. There were probably uh, a situation or two where your dad had the best team or close to the best team, or he was in the fight and something happened, you know, and and it didn't turn out. And, and this time, you know, it was kind of wasn't really expected, and then they they end up cutting down the nets, you know, and and so. Yeah. I'm guessing that was the case as well at some point along the way. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, at some point, I think, teams, you know, they, they played GR in the first round, and uh, GR had a half-court shot that to beat Wapsie that hit their, 
bank board, hit the rim, and I think hit the bank board again, like just kind of like rattled out. And that was first round of the tournament. They mm-hmm. could have been done. Yeah. You know, so it got, you know, at some point, I think kids just kind of relaxed and like, no, oh, we're playing with house money. We shouldn't be here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they played really loose and played really good. Little, little Gordon Hayward against Duke, kind yeah. of one of those. Yep. yep. Exactly. Yep. So this one popped into my mind as you were as you were talking here. So, um, what is one thing that your dad does really well that you wish you did as well as he does? Um, a lot of things. Um, well, we only got so much time. I can't. You can only yeah, give one. So, yeah. <laughs> you know what I would say? The biggest thing is um, the the pride he had in his school and his community. Um, Wapsie was his first job out of college. He graduated from Iowa and had his first job. Um, and he he's had a lot of opportunities to go other places. Um, but he has so much pride for his community. Um, and we, as his kids, joke with him a lot. Um, he's actually retiring from AD, Dean of Students, and teaching this year, but he's going to hopefully continue to coach after the retirement. Um, like, said the school will be okay without him. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I'm pretty sure they're going to have class next year if you retire. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, but he's just, he has always been all in. He's always fought for his community. Um, he's always, you know, a lot of people jump around and, and look at what's a better job. Um, and he has never wavered from that community and that school district. Um, and it's just, it, it's really impressive in today's day, you know, in, in era to uh, not try to maybe pull being successful over um, the community or, or being bigger than where you are. And he's always made Wapsie Valley the big time. And, um, you yeah, know, just really always admired that of him. And it, you know, we didn't grow up in the area. He grew up, and him and my mom grew up in uh, Washington, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the day they walked into Fairbank, like, it was, that's their place. Yep. And, they, you know, they became a part of it, and they live it, and they just love it. So this one might be a little tougher on you. What's one thing that your brother does that you wish you did as well as him? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I figured so, something um, like that was coming. <laughs> yeah, it's so competitive with him. Um, you know, he's he's really, and I've always admired this and, and wondered how much different it would, it would be, um, but he's a really good recruiter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has two best basketballs on his on his team at Upper Iowa. I saw that. Um, and, I, and I remember when he was Mr. Basketball his senior year and Coach McDermott, um, and you and I was just talking about how big that is for Northern Iowa and how big that is for the Cedar Falls community is to actually get a Mr. Basketball to go to, to Northern Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and he doesn't, he's, he's, he's willing to take chances on kids he shouldn't get. Um, and not just that, but, you know, we talk about kids in our conference and around the state and, you know, I'll tell them, you know, like kids like Jay Kilmer. Um, you know, who's the Mr. Basketball they have, their most recent one from Northland. I'm like, I'm not sure you get a chance with them. But, you know, he's really, really good. And I think somebody's got to take a chance on him. You guys are spending a lot of time. 
Like, are you, is, what if you don't get them? You're like, he's like, we're going to get them. Like, we're, we're going to get them. We're going to, you know, and it's been like for three years. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are like all in here. Uh, so he's just, he's really good at kind of recognizing the kids that fit his program. Um, and then, you know, building that community and saying too, like, um, they do so many team building and team bonding things just to, to make that their home too. And they, you know, he does, he does a, a really good job of that. Gotcha. Um, I, uh, I'll make sure that your brother gets this and, and here's the nice <laughs> things that you had to say about him. So, um, you talked about, you talked about, um, coaching a, a guy that is that is now playing in the NBA, Semi Ojale. Um and you know, his story was an interesting story. Um, you know, he, he ends up going to Duke out of high school, doesn't play very much for a couple of years, then transfers to SMU, and that was kind of his his way to get into the league. Uh but as his high school coach, uh you had to obviously be a, a, a pretty big part of his recruitment, I would think. What was that experience like coaching coaching a player that uh, you've got, you know, blue bloods, you know, beating down your door and, and talking to you and, and 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 about this kid who, by you know all accounts, everything that I read about him, he's a really quiet kid, really introverted kid. Uh, as talented as he is, especially as he was in high school, he kind of pushed the attention on his teammates, that type of thing. But what was that experience like for you? Yeah, um, well, it was, he was the first, um, obviously, major recruit that, that I ever coached. But, um, you know, when he was a freshman in high school, he was a nice player. Um, I mean, he, he led our team in scoring, um, but we had two other kids that were really, really good. Um, they maybe set him up a little bit. You know, he only averaged like 13 and a half or something like that, but he just outworked everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, like just for an example, so his typical day was he would get up in the morning and run five miles before school. He would go to school, be a 4.0 student. So he didn't get his cardio in. He was a 4.0 student. This is during basketball season. He didn't take a lifting class for PE. He didn't take a PE class in Kansas. He didn't have to if you're up for sports. And he would, lift after school and then he would go through our two hour basketball practice and then he would shoot with his teammates for, you know, thirty minutes or so after, you know, when practice was over and they would do that. He'd have a snack to refuel. He would go through a two hour individual skill workout after that. And then he would go home, eat supper with his family, do his homework, go to bed and do that same thing all over again. So like everything Shimmy got, like it was easy to sell him to coaches when they called. Uh-huh. Um, like to the point where some coaches are like, you can't be telling me the truth. Like, <laughs> what's his, what's his, what's his fault? <laughs> his fault. Like, he didn't even watch TV. He didn't play video games. Like, his fault was, I would, I would ask him if you would please go to the Super Bowl party and hang out with your teammates. <laughs> like, seriously, he, he is that driven. And then, you know, you fast forward and, um, you know, when he went to Duke, um, they just couldn't just couldn't find the way to get on the floor enough to be noticed. You know, he was practicing against pros every day, so he was getting better. Um, 
Lee, you know, you don't want to, you want to be able to play in games too. So, yep. you know, it was a really tough decision, but he ended up transferring to SMU. Um, actually redshirted, transferred at Christmas and then redshirted. So he had two years left. Um, after that, and he, he was a player of the year at SMU. And I remember telling, uh, his mom, Joy, I'm like, Joy, uh, we would take Saturdays off. I'm like, would you please hide the basketballs? Jimmy's legs need a break. Like, Chad, he cannot go out on the driveway on Saturday. And she would say, oh, coach, you know how hard that's going to be? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that was his fault. He would just work too much. And then, you know, the same thing at SMU. The coaches would say, he beat this to the, to the arena or beat this to the practice facility, and he's there when we leave. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we were out at Boston last um, uh, spring break, and he took us to the practice facility on their off day. We were running around looking at everything, and he was the only one there. And um, two different people, one of the strength coaches and then one of the basketball skilled guys, um, both told us at different times that they have never, ever seen anybody work as hard as he works. Mm-hmm. And then his, you know, he's got that, and then he, his character is through the roof. Like, so, you know, coaches would ask, you know, can you give me an example of his character? I'm like, yeah, I'll give you a great example of his character. Uh, first week of practice, we have two days, you know, before school, after school, do a lot of individual stuff before school. And I, I was leaving the gym because I was teaching at elementary school and Jimmy's truck was sitting in, sitting there, but nobody was in the locker room. So I couldn't figure out what's going on. Um, so that night of practice, I said, Jimmy, is your truck not started? You know, I could have given you a ride home to a home that you just lived a mile away from school or whatever. So I could have given you a ride home. And he's like, no. He's like, I couldn't find my license anywhere. And he just turned 16, so this was, I think, his junior year. Um, I'm like, you couldn't find your license? He's like, yeah, I didn't have my license with me. It must have fallen out of my pocket because it was laying in my driveway when I came to practice. Like, so you ran home because you didn't have your license with you? Like, every police officer in this town knows who you are. Like, <laughs> you know, it's a town of 10,000 people, like, they would have been okay. You know, Dr. Ogilvy's son turned 16. You know, you could say, I just don't know my license. You didn't have to run home. It's cold this morning. But like, that, that's his character. That's his mindset. Like, no, you, you have your license when you're in the car, but yeah. you don't drive. Yeah. You know, that, that's the rule, so that's what you do. Um, you know, and, and on the flip side of it, you know, that's probably what held him back a little bit, maybe going through college is, when things went bad, you know, he, he tried to reflect on the process a little bit instead of just letting it flow. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and some kids, you know, we joke about it a little bit, but you know, some of our kids that maybe struggle in school or get out of trouble, you know, a little bit growing up or mischievous, like, when things go bad on the court, like, they're good. Like, they've been there before. Like, yeah. you know, it's not a problem. But some of our kids that are 4.0 kids that are, strict when when things go bad and you just kind of figure it out they struggle a little bit more at that point on the basketball floor so you know Shimmy kind of had to iron that out a little bit um but he just you know from a from a standpoint of who he is from a character I mean he's teaching adults in that town and and around the community and now in the in the city of Boston of you know it's okay to just act the right way it's okay to live a you know live your life in God's name and uh things work out and uh, there's been a lot of times that many other kids would have quit. You know, mm-hmm. he's an all-time leading sport in the state of Kansas. And then he goes to Duke and he doesn't get on the floor. Like, that's pretty tough to swallow. 
Yeah. You know, and then he transfers to SMU and sits out a year and a half. So, really, he went two and a half years without really playing basketball in front of fans. You know, you get a few minutes here and there. And then he starts that next year, and he's a player of the year in the uh, Atlantic 10. And it's like, holy cow. But, you know, anybody that was around him, he wasn't surprised because he just outworked people every day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the games we went out and watched him at Duke, he didn't play a whole lot. Um, and it was about an hour and a half after the game, he finally came and met us because he had to go get his workout in. You know, he didn't get a workout at the game. So then he, you know, went up to the weight room and, and got shots up and did all that stuff in the practice facility to make sure that he got better that day. And it's just who Shimmy was. How contagious was that for the rest of the kids within your program, that work ethic? Yeah. Um, no, unbelievably. Um, but they, you know, they grew up with him. Um, he was born and raised in Ottawa, Kansas. So they always kind of knew um, – he was different in that aspect where, um, you know, his family, I believe, did not have a television until he was in middle school. Oh, you know, geez. so yeah. you just think about that. So what are you going to fill your time with? You're going to fill it with a lot more productive stuff than the kids like, so like my kids with televisions and with <laughs> PlayStations, you know? I mean, he's just, that, that's who he was. That's who his family was. Um, you know, his dad was a doctor in Nigeria, um, and they had his two older brothers, Jimmy and or, um, Victor and Tommy, and he decided to bring his family to the United States, but to become a doctor in the United States, he had to start medical school all over again. Oh, so he came to the University of Kansas, and he went through medical school, enjoyed his mom, took care of the two kids in Nigeria, and then once he graduated, or yeah, once he graduated, became a doctor, they moved him to America. So my work ethic is... Like, that's just a, a way of life in that family. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it's extremely contagious, though. I mean, there wasn't one kid that went home and practice was over. They all stuck around and worked a little bit extra because they knew how much Jimmy was going to do. I can't. I can't even. I mean, I can barely spell medical school, let alone going through it twice. You know, I mean, that's uh that's impressive. That, that's that's that might be one of the most impressive things I've ever heard in my life. That is that is just wow, wow. Hats off, hats off. That's that's cool. So, uh, all right, coach, we're going to pivot a little bit here. Uh, we're going to jump into our our Don Meyer quote of the day, um, and and this week's Don Meyer quote is actually not a Don Meyer quote directly. He this is one that he would often use uh, from General Patton. Um, the Don Meyer quote of the day, only give orders that can't be misunderstood. That's the Don Meyer quote of the day. I, I think that sometimes we as coaches try to complicate it a little bit too much, don't you think, coach? And sometimes we just need to simplify it and just give orders that can't be misunderstood. Oh, absolutely. You know, one of the things that um, I have some former players that are coaches and you know, friends, obviously, and we talk about game situations and stuff. And sometimes as coaches, we get so wound up to, like, draw that perfect play. And the only reason I know this is because I've screwed it up so many times. But, you know, you get the ball, tie game, down one, down two, whatever. Like, you get a chance to win the game. And you get a timeout, you grab that grease board, and you, like, draw a play you've never practiced. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the chances of that working out? But as coaches, we, like, we just get excited. 
excited. We want to help so much. Instead of just getting in there and running a play that, you know, maybe the other team's seen it on film, but you've ran it a thousand times in practice and games and, you know, the kids growing up, so I always felt like, do what you guys do, you know? And, and then, you know, that, that's right. The end of that quote is, you know, then the kids will know how to do it. You know, I remember drawing up some plays and, you know, showing kids this and that, we're going to do this. And then, you know, they're, they're walking out of the timeout still asking questions. Like, <laughs> how in the world are they going to, you know, they play and then you sit back, you know, you get home from the game and go, what was I thinking? Yeah. You know? So, yeah, that's a, I love it. That's a good one. Well, um, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so, what do you get? You know, everything's kind of up in the air. Um, and I'm sure you and your coaching staff have talked a little bit about what may or may not happen here uh, during June and July, especially. Uh, or And maybe some stuff, you know, you guys are at a bigger school, um, you know. Uh, but but what, what are some things that you've thought about how to, uh, if, if this uh, quarantine situation uh, continues to extend itself, uh, what have you guys talked about or what have you thought about to try and um, to kind of circumnavigate and, and still feel like uh, your kids are being productive and, and, and getting some work in on their game? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I asked our AD um, two weeks ago, like, is they're having conversations with, you know, leaders at the state level, um, for them to loosen up a the fall guidelines a little bit. I know Iowa has talked a little bit about letting coaches run open gyms under local control. So our athletic director would set up how many we can do, you know, per week with the football coach, with the cross country coach, mm-hmm. um, in one way to kind of take the pressure off of getting stuff done in the summer. Um, I'd also like them to open up kids sharing videos with us. You know, I get a lot of text messages from kids now as we're reaching out or we're on a Zoom call about, you know, what should I be working on? Um, you know, you can give them some stuff. Like, well, everybody can become a better ball handler. They don't need a hoop for that. Everybody can become, you know, better shooting. And um, it would be nice because, you know, our, our kids are working. You know, they're out there. They're in the, You know, we try to make the best of every opportunity. And right now, you know, we've been telling our kids, hey, it's time to be old school. Get out to the driveway. You know, uh, go over to the neighbor's driveway if, if you don't have a hoop in your driveway. And, uh, you know, when they're not out there, see if you can use it. And uh, just get out there and shoot and play. You know, work on your moves. You know drills. You know one-on-zero drills to use. Um, and we tried to make it fun, too, with uh, um, sending scores to each other of, of when they play their dads one-on-one. You know, or play, you may play their moms or their brothers one-on-one. Like, tell me who's winning, you know. So, so, you know, go ahead and some fun and do some stuff that way. But yeah, it's it's really weird to it's, it's tough to plan right now. Yeah. You know, it's tough to say, here's what we're going to do in June. Here's what we're going to do in July. Uh, here's what we're going to do in August. So, you know, we're just kind of, you know, I think we're really lucky in Iowa where Governor Reynolds is trying to be progressive and, um, and look at how we're going to open stuff up. Um, I really hope our seniors get to play baseball and softball this summer. You know, I feel terrible for those seniors that just kind of feels like the rug was just taken out from underneath of them. Uh, we have some great track kids at Kennedy that didn't get to run. And, um, you know, so then we sit here and think about, oh, are we not going to get summer basketball? That's, that's pretty minor, yeah. really, for us. Um, 
you know, I hope I hope they get it figured out sooner than later here and we can get back to a little bit more normal. But you know, we're just trying to make the best of every situation right now. Mm-hmm. My my uh my ne- in in Nebraska we have school sponsored baseball in the spring and everything's wrapped up before Memorial Day. You know, and he's pretty good. He's actually going to go play at St. Ambrose. And, uh, yeah, he's a pretty good baseball player. And, and, and he, you know, he lost his senior year. And that, that's, that's been tough on him. Um, you know, so you just got to continue to work your way through it. You know, kind of in your guys, in your situation, um, you know, everybody's in the same boat, at least. You know, uh, the, the playing field is fairly even, and there's only so much you can do. Uh, but, but that's, uh, kind of something as I've looked at it, it's like, ah, how can we get creative here? Um, how can we work our way through this and still get some kids? But I, I, I like the driveway challenge there of, uh, you know, posting some scores and that type of thing. That's, that's a good idea there. So, um, you, you've got a pretty unique, uh, defensive, uh, philosophy that you guys run and, and, uh, your, your assistant, Tony Viss, uh, came on a, a couple of months ago, um, and and kind of went through it a little bit with us here, uh, but but we're gonna let the the master and not the apprentice kind of roll through it here. Um, so uh, you know, kind of talk to us about your defensive system, your defensive philosophy. Um, you know, you, you talked about your dad and some of the the junk defenses that he ran this year. Um, you know, just kind of what you're thinking there. I'm just gonna kind of open it up to you and just just let you riff here, coach. Yeah. Um, so number one, like the, the more basketball savvy our kids are, the more defenses will try to put in. And I think everybody's kind of the same that way a little bit. Um, but our base defense is, is a man defense. Maybe it's a matchup zone defense. Um, but as, as I was kind of growing as a coach, you know, you go around to as many college practices as possible before our season starts. You know, they, now we can start like at the start of school. You yeah. know, and they're already running, you know, two different hour practices or whatever. So, you know, plenty of opportunities to go watch college coaches coach. And um, two or three of them, you know, over the years, I kind of watched him do into the shot clock defensive stuff. Um, and I remember sitting up at, at Northern Iowa one day and Coach McDermott was going into into shot clock, last 12 seconds. Now we just we switch everything now. Now we're switching everything. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, so if it's good enough for into shot clock, into half, into game, we just switch everything one through five and, and keep everybody in front and try to contest. Why not do it all game? You know, we kind of started messing with it a little bit. Um, and at NU High, you know, my my center was six two and my point guard was five eleven. And everybody else was in between. So like, it really made sense for us. Like, he really did, you know, and our, our point guard was maybe a little bit quicker and a little bit better post defender anyway. So it really made sense. Um, then we had some success with it, and, and over the years, you start thinking about why you have success. And uh, I think one of the biggest things is, is it's different. You know, if, if you play against a team that's a 1-3-1 one, one team, man, you don't see that very often. Yep. You know, you see it five to 15 possessions a game that the team mixes it in. Um you don't see it very often, so you spend a lot of time prepping for it, which takes you away from getting better or doing your stuff. Um, and then we, you know, maybe had, had at Ottawa, we had some different height kids, and then you high, uh, we had a 6'10 kid in Adam Wall. Um, we had some big football lineman kids that, uh, 
you know, were, you know, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and not very creative, but, um, and it continued to work with them, too. And I kind of think, you know, in Iowa anyway, you, you get about 10 days, 10 practice days, 15 practice days before you get on the floor the first time. So if you go through all the scenarios, uh, on the ball screens, off the ball screens, um, how are we defending them and how much time do you get to practice them? Um, and we can teach four different ways to defend an on ball screen, but who has time to teach that? Mm-hmm. You know, we can teach one way to guard it, then we switch it and we stay in great guarding position. Uh, maybe, you know, a team will, you know, ball screen with the, with the five and the one. So now our point guard's on the post. Um, but we still feel like, you know, when that happens, that's probably our, our, our biggest case scenario where we're a little bit worried. But we want to give great ball pressure. We're going to front post, and we're going to have help side on the red line. That still takes a really, really good pass to get that ball to the post. So, you know, that ends up not hurting us too bad either. So uh, it's just kind of evolved a little bit. Um, you know, and every year we want to fit our personnel. Um, but it, it, um, it's, it's really worked well for us. Um, mm-hmm. And there's times where, you know, we try to stay, um, you know, on certain kids and stuff like that also. But, yeah, we're kind of, I guess we're kind of a matchup zone, you know, per se team. But we have all-man principles and we try to do it. Uh, but the interesting part is we actually play more of a traditional defense a lot in practice. Uh, number one, because we don't play against switching a ton. So we want to offensively play against it. But number two, we want our kids to really understand um, that we'll put them in position to expend a lot less energy on the defensive side, being able to switch stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what that allows us to do on the on the other side is be extremely aggressive on the ball. Um, so we're going to switch everything, which allows us to stay in great help lanes, it, um, and then which in turn gives the guy guarding the ball a lot of confidence to give great ball pressure. Um, and I think teams with great ball pressure are the toughest teams to play against. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody sits there and gets excited when a team's just getting after the ball. And they're all over the court going, oh, I can't wait for this. But, you know, you see a backline team that just kind of keeps a foot in the lane if they're not on the ball going, we can run anything. <laughs> yeah. not turn the ball over. Uh, but the biggest fear, I think, for any coach is turning that ball over for the layup. And uh, that's one of the things we want to do. We usually have goals of, you know, if, if a team turns it over 15 times, we want to get plus 10 on that. So we're looking for 25 turnovers in that game. Um, you know, and, and the kids really take a lot of pride in it. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, it's there's a lot that kind of goes into it, but um, we're very fortunate that our kids just buy in to be in high-intensity kind of a defensive team. But we spend a lot of time at practice with it also. You know, we spend at least half of our practice time on the defensive side, breaking it down and trying to um, be as good as we can at every position. And, you know, maybe the uh, the thing that helps us be the most successful is we give the kids a lot of freedom. Um, we try to – I explain it to most coaches, like, you know, uh, the freedom you would give a kid in a motion offense. Um, if they can tell you why they made that cut or what read they made or why they were moving – um, then you're good with it. Like, okay, he's thinking the game, and you know, he's he thought he was making a play, and maybe we show him on film of 
something that would have been a little bit better. But if you're going to be a true motion guy, you have to give the kids freedom to make that choice themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're kind of the same way on the defensive side. We give our kids a lot of freedom to attack and jump and, and rotate. Um, but when we watch film, or if we pull a kid out of the game or, or a timeout or whatever it is, they better be able to explain to us why they're doing something, mm-hmm. you know, what they saw. Um, you know, maybe a, maybe a kid saw that a ball handler had his eyes down because of the ball pressure and he thought he could go make a play. Well, we might have gave up a layup, but if the kid, you know, was able to articulate that, well, his eyes were down and I thought I could make a play, we're good with it. And we have to live with it. Um, you know, and it fits my personality and the assistant coaches I have's personality. Um, it did not fit Tony's personality the first two years I knew him. Uh, <laughs> you know, the more we talked about it, um, he had a team that actually was just a great athlete. Um, a couple basketball first girls, but a lot of really good soccer players. Um, and it, and it fit them too. And they ran it, uh, one of his years at, at Kennedy too. Um, so we kind of evolved and, and we've meshed and he's helped me grow with it also and, and talking about things. But, um, yeah, I kind of try to equate it to a, a motion philosophy on the defensive side. What, what are some things that you guys do uh, to break down that uh, switching uh, scheme drill-wise? Yeah. Um, you know, like anybody, we we do a lot of one-on-one work, um, which I think is great both from an offensive and defensive standpoint because you own your skills both ways. Um, but we want to be great on the ball, and we want to be fearless on the ball. Um, you know, we've all had somebody guard us that makes us extremely uncomfortable. And, you know, you kind of explain it to the kids that way, like, that's how you're going to guard. You know, and we talk to the kids about, with today's day and age, how the kids can control the ball with their hands, if you guard one-on-one, eventually you're going to get beat. And maybe unless you're, you know, a, a 6'11", high-major player where you can block a shot from behind like you're playing a middle school kid. Yeah. You know, but, you know, if you're pretty close in, in ability level, if they get to dribble the ball 15 times, they're going to beat you. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just no doubt about it. If they get an unlimited dribble, they're eventually going to beat you. Um, you know, so we try to break down and, and let them know that. Like, make that guy uncomfortable. Make him, you know, get him to cross over, get his eyes down, get him going too fast. All right? And then, you know, from the one-pass-away people, they have to be in good help, and you got to be, you know, on point. you got to be reading. Is, is the guy on the ball getting beat? or is the guy on the ball containing them? You know, and you have to make that decision. Are you going to help or are you not going to help? And I think, you know, maybe our biggest and the best thing we do is we are great at rotations. We're great at helping the helper and, and helping the helper's helper and um, and just being okay in chaos on the defensive side. Uh, you know, everybody talks about the extra pass, but we want them to have to make two extra passes or, you know, make three extra passes and shoot a contested shot. Um, you know, and, and something that's not like a penetrate kick, beat set, shot. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to have to, you know, think two or three passes ahead to beat us. Um, is kind of the philosophy. And it's just kind of a, it's an ebb and flow thing. Um, it's not an X and O thing where we sit down and say, when this happens, you have to do this. Um, you know, the, the kids have to have a flow and, um, and they have to understand each other, you know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, same thing on the offensive side. So 
if our center's got the ball, you know, we're not spacing to the corner and letting him break somebody down. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're probably going and helping him because he's got a ball in a position he's not real good at. It's the same thing on the defensive side. If our best on-ball defender's on the ball, man, maybe you're staying home a little bit. Well, if our worst on-ball defender's on the ball, and we all know who it is on the team, you know, we'll talk about it. It's not like we're knocking him. He works hard, but yeah. you know, maybe he's just laterally not very good. Or maybe he's small. Um, you know, you've got to be two steps closer. You know, you've got to be ready for him to get beat. Um, you know, and then we talked about it too, off-ball. We know kids that gamble a lot, you know, on our team. And that's okay. But you just have to know their personality so you're able to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we had a kid a few years ago, Jackson Foley, um, who's 5'5", five, five, point guard, handled the ball well, shot the ball well. Everybody tried to, you know, he's guarding Cordell Denzel in the post. You know, we were playing Waller. Because they the ball screen, that did him in there. Well, Jackson, you know, we watched this a lot on film. Jackson's our best post defender on the team. So actually, when they ball screen, we're like, oh, thank God. Oh, we're our <laughs> best post defender. He's quick, he's smart, and he's tougher than nail. You know, he's going to slow play Cordell, but thinking he's got him on his back, and he's going to sneak around and get a steal. Like, we've all seen it. Like, we've watched it on film. So, you know, it's just uh, knowing when they know their teammates that well, like, it really doesn't matter what happens because they've all seen it before. And, you know, it's this personality of the coach. you got to be okay with getting beat on some things, you know, but then the, the buyback, I guess, from the kids, the, the kid's knowledge gives you comfort in there doing what they think they can do. Yep. You know, and eventually it just kind of evolved. And, and it's a fun style. It's a fast style. Like, you know, we talk, we don't, we don't want to play defense for 45 seconds. We don't have a shot clock and teams can slow the game down. We want to force the action of the other team to make them do something a little sooner than later. Mm-hmm. So how do you, uh, uh, if if I were to to to, to drive the the four plus hours to to Cedar Rapids and I took in a Kennedy practice and and other than than watching Coach Viss probably do a whole lot of nothing, what would I? <laughs> it's okay. I've known him for twenty five years. I could say that about Tony. Okay, good. Um, um, but uh, you know, how do you guys set up your practice to to bring out that intensity? You know, what's what's a what's an average uh, Kennedy practice look like, beginning to end, on an average day? Um, you know, we're extremely fortunate that we have extremely competitive kids. We have a lot of multi-sport kids that play basketball. Um, so, like, you know, if you're a superstar football player, like one thing you know how to do is be competitive, um, uh-huh. and we really. We praise that a lot um, with our kids. And we try to set up competitive drills uh, all the way through practice. Um, we do a lot of individual stuff, but it's counted. Um, but we want we want a competitive but player-centered competitive. Um, you know, coaches are excited. Coaches are giving great energy, high-fiving, you know, pushing kids a little bit um, if, if needed. Um, but we really want a player-centered practice where the majority of the energy is coming from them. Um, they have some favorite drills, and every team, every single year, is different about what brings out the most competitive juices. And as coaches, we feel it's it's our job to find that in the kids. And if it's a certain fast break drill, we'll run that fast break drill every single day. Because mm-hmm. um, every single 
drill we do has a has a purpose. Um, you know, but you have the best drill in the world, and kids don't enjoy it, and kids don't push themselves in it. It's really worthless. Uh-huh. Um, so it it seems like we kind of throw the gamut at kids uh, pre Christmas, and you know we'll have some new drills. We we'll run a lot of our old drills and different stuff, and and. Then after Christmas, we try to center around, um, you know, 40, 30% of the maybe drills you have in your toolbox, um, but they're the ones that just make our kids come alive. Uh Um, And those are the ones we do. Those are the ones we do almost every day. You know, there's obviously prep time where you got to go through the other team's stuff. Um, You know, maybe you got to come up with a a drill that is going to fix one of our deficiencies that we're struggling with. Um, but man, we just try to find the, the drills that the kids are allowed in. Um, and, and a loud gym is a, is a competitive gym and it's an intense gym. And, um, I really feel like our, you know, 60, 70 practices, whatever we get in, they're no different than the game. Um, we're very, very fortunate that I don't, I haven't had any teams that are kind of gamers where they just kind of coast through practice and then they, uh, you know, bring it during the game. Um, I know that first couple of years at Kennedy, um, some of the assistant coaches, um, you know, that were, that were carryovers, carryovers, uh, later in the season were going, Hey, you think we should, uh, tone down practice a little bit here? You know, we're kind of going, you know, down the, the stretch run of going, ah, I don't know. I've never done that before. Um, but, you know, I, I think kids bounce back pretty good. We don't have any injury problems. I'm like, cut it down to an hour and a half, but we're not going to cut the intensity down. We're not going to walk walk around and practice and then try to get after it in the game. And uh, um, I don't know. I just it's something that Wapsie's practices always were. And I was with Coach Brosby and Co. was the same way. So I just kind of thought all the practices were supposed to be that way. But you know, as a coach, you know, I I love coming home after a, a good loud practice. So you know, that's kind of what I strive for every day. Do you guys, uh, you know, to, you, you said you spent a lot of time on uh, on the defense. I, I believe you said you spent probably over half the practice on on your defensive principles and what you're doing there. Uh, do, do, you, do you feel sometimes, ah, God, we should we should get more time in with some shooting or some ball handling or anything like that? And how do you kind of work that through to still have that skill development in there? Yeah, um, our warm-ups are skill development stuff. You know, our first 20 to 30 minutes of practice as we're getting loose and everything is, is basic shooting stuff. It's different shooting drills. Um, it's ball handling drills. Um, you know, and I feel if you have to play against tough defense, you're going to become better offensively also. Um, but yeah, there, there is a lot of times as, as myself and the coaching staff, we talk about like, how oh, we got to focus on ourselves a lot more than what we do, but um, I don't know, it's just, it's kind of, it's our thing. Um, there's kind of a progression of, of stuff we want to get through every day to make sure that we stay sharp on defense because there, there have been times where, you know, maybe you lose three or four games and you're sitting around going, what are we doing? Why are we playing so bad? And maybe you look back at your practice plans and um, for me, it's maybe I get, I get a little bit light on the defensive side and our team struggle a little bit. So, um you know, I, I feel like you can win every single night with defense. Um, there's going to be nights you don't shoot them well. You know, there's going to be 
nights is a tough environment. You know, we got beat this year at uh, at North Scott in, in the pit. That's one of the toughest places I think in the state to play. Um, you know, it's a little bit smaller gym. There's fans all around you. You know, they the locals are crazy. They're coming out. And they're uh, they're hard on the kids and shoot the ball well. You didn't you didn't have like sh- you didn't have like shooter running out in the middle of the floor or anything like that, did you? No, no. <laughs> No, uh, Seamus, Seamus behaved himself that night, but we didn't, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we didn't shoot it well at all, we had a chance to beat the state tournament team because our defense was good, uh, you know, we could have just, I think we shot like 12% from the three-point line, and they're a, they're a packed team with Ty Anderson blocking shots at the rim that's going to you and I, and like, we were going to have to make shots that night, but uh, we didn't get blown out, we had a chance to win the game because of our defense, and um, that's just kind of that's that's my philosophy. Is throughout the tournament, throughout the season, if, if your defense is great, and it can be every single night, but there's going to be nights where offensively you're just not very good, mm-hmm. um, and we all have them. And nobody's ever played a, a perfect season where their offense has carried them all the way. But um, I believe the, you know the teams that are undefeated are just unbelievable on defense, and I just win some ugly games sometimes. Yeah. Um, as you're looking at your, your, your group and at your team, and like you said, maybe when you're struggling, uh, but what are the, what are the key stats that you guys as a, as a staff, uh, look at, uh, after a game or at halftime or whatever it may be, or maybe it's, it's, it's stats, you know, you kind of talked about if they've, if they average 15 turnovers, we want to push them to 25. What are some analytical ways that you guys use to try to, uh, you know, judge your team and judge your performance? Yeah. Um, I found out early in my career that I get so caught up in the game and what's going on and trying to manipulate the game, you know, X and O wise and kids out there. I'm the worst subbing coach in the world. Like I'm terrible. Um, you know, I, have an all-state kid behind me that sits for like almost a full quarter because I forgot he wasn't in the game. So I relinquished subbing duties really early in my career because I was just I was bad at it and I still am. So um, we try. I give my assistant coaches a lot of power in that, um, but they we really focus on plus minus. You know, just basically when when a certain kid is in the game. Did we go up five? Did we go down five? And we keep a uh, total of that as the game's going on. And um, that's one of the things I look at at the end of quarters at halftime we talked about. Hey, um, you know, Jeff over here is a plus eight. And he usually doesn't play very much, you know, and it's a tie game. He's doing something tonight. I don't know what it is. You know, because he doesn't score. You know, maybe he's rebounded. Maybe he's defending. Maybe he's communicating. Um you know, we talk to the kids a lot about them. That's the only stat we post. It's really tough in Iowa with quick stats. You know, all the stats are up there, and, you know, it's all over social media about who's leading the state scoring and this and that. And we just hammer the plus minus. We post it after every game. Um, the kids understand what it is. And playing time is directly affected by your plus minus. Do you want to play? Find a way to affect the game. Um, I don't think there's anything even remotely close to as important as that. And, um, you know, over the years, it's it's really fun when you have maybe a senior that isn't overly skilled, doesn't score a bunch, isn't very big, 
but just as off the charts and like makes it their mission to have the best plus minus in the world, you know, then you can just point to them and like, you know, why does a kid that averages point three points a game fit a kid in, in Kansas one time um, that came up to me? Um, he goes, Coach, do you, do you know? He was a starter for us. He said, do you know I have not taken a shot in five games? <laughs> I looked at him like, well, it's good for us if you don't shoot. But, you know, you know they'd be like, look at my, no, I didn't know that. He said, I haven't taken a shot. I've been our best plus minus. I'm like, you know, so that just made it click in my mind. I'm like, holy cow, like, why is that? You know, well, he's the best communicator. You know, he makes a pass and tells his teammate, you know, knock that shot down. Or if somebody misses a shot, he's the first one to say good shot. You know, he's the one diving for the ball that's going out of bounds when he knows he's not even going to get it. Well, that brings everybody's energy up. Like, who's not going to play hard with that guy in? Mm-hmm. And everybody knows what he's going to do. Like, he's never going to take a bad shot, you know? So, we, I, I use that kid as an example a lot. Um, and he actually, Blake Piety, he broke our uh, single season charge record. Like, that, that was his goal in senior year. I'm going to break that record that's on the board on most charges. <laughs> like, you know, that was his mission and purpose. Like, we were a lot better when Blake was in the game because he knew his role. Mm-hmm. And then knowing his role and making everybody better and not shooting and taking charges and doing the little things, you um, couldn't take him off the floor, even though he couldn't make a shot. You know, Matt Burst is another one that comes to mind that Kennedy here, he led the state tournament in rebounding, and he's 5'8". Like, wow. he just... He had a purpose when he was out there, and his plus minus was always the best. So, you know, I give kids examples like that, like just affect the game in the way that you can affect the game. You know, and it's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. How about uh, last thing I want to talk about here because I know we're running, uh, you know, short on time here, Coach. Um, organizing your program, you guys are you guys are in the biggest class in Iowa, five uh, you know, A, no four A. In boys, it just goes up to four A, right? Yep. Yep. Yes. Uh, you know, so you're a four A school. You're one of the bigger four A schools. Uh, but but you got a you got a a good thing rolling there with your with your youth program and and developing players. Uh, let's let's finish off tonight with you just talking about your your youth program and and what you're doing there and, and some ideas that you might have that you guys do there that that other folks might be able to replicate within their own program. Yeah, absolutely. I think youth programs are now more than ever, one of the most important things for a community. Not, not just for, there's a lot of kids, we have 100 kids in our youth program, there's a lot of kids that'll never play high school basketball, and that's okay. Um, but they need the athletic experience, and they need a positive athletic experience. Um, when it turns into, I can make a living off third graders playing basketball, um, I really struggle with what the motivation and what the purpose is. Um, So we feel our youth program is extremely vital for the Cedar Rapids community, especially the Cedar Rapids community. Um, We provide that basketball opportunity for over 100 kids every single year. Um, And that's third grade through eighth graders. Um, And we have three directors that that are coaches, but they kind of, they organize it, they do a ton of work and they organize it for us. and my role with the youth program and my assistant coaches roles are to make the volunteer. So we have volunteer coaches. Our kids, including their tournament fee, only pay like $180 for the whole season. And that gets them practice jerseys, game jerseys, um, uh, gym time, and tournament fees. And 
you know, other kids maybe playing for a club team, they're going to have to come up with twelve hundred bucks for the winter season. Uh, it's going to be a lot more um, than a lot more than one hundred eighty bucks. Yeah. Yeah. So we do it extremely cheap because we have directors that volunteer their time. Um, as coaches, we volunteer our time. But I don't have time, and my assistant coaches don't have time during our seasons to, you know, literally go to practices. We'll be around some of the practices and help kids out, high five them. We have time to work with them in the summer um, through camps and stuff. But before the season, we'll run a coaching clinic um, for the coaches. And I, our philosophy is let's make these coaches the most equipped, best coaches we can make them. Like, they're volunteers, and they have a son on the team. Like, and that's the way it's going to be, and that's okay. Um, but let's give them the tools to run a good practice. Um, you know, my first couple of years here, we got all these kids running around the gym, and I'm up there on the Sunday watching these kids practice. And, you know, the biggest thing I, I would get from coaches and feedback is like, we're excited. We don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I play basketball. I've never coached it. Mm-hmm. And they're going as a basketball coach, you kind of forget to go, oh, yeah. I bet you don't really, you know, because if I had to go, you know, do your job, I couldn't do it. I'd just sit there and stare at the wall. I don't know what, you know, how to do your job. It's the same thing. You should know how to do my job. So, you know, we put together packets for them of every one of our drills, um, you know, different out-of-bounds plays, set plays, um, just just kind of a a handy go-to because, you know, and then like this year, I I made them a, a, a... practice plan template with all the drills on the back and then time slots, you know, and every practice you got to do offensive breakdown. You got to do defensive breakdown, flip the paper over, find a drill, you know, and then you're just kind of like trying to help them make a practice plan because, you know, my wife coaches our son's team. So I, you know, I kind of get to see it, you know, she gets out of work at five o'clock practices at six thirty, and she's like, you got to make a practice plan for me. And about like the 15th time she said that, I'm going, I should probably do that for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, they're yeah. all in the same boat, you know, but I, and I just didn't conceptualize it because as coaches, we sit around all day and think about what we're going to do in practice. They don't. Yeah. <laughs> they're thinking about their real job. So, you know, we, we try to do that to help them, you know, make a good practice in it and let them know that, you know, you can run the same exact practice every single day as long as you have these five components in your practice, and it's a really good practice, and your kids are going to get back. Like, and that's the goal right there. You know, and the biggest thing, I, from a philosophy standpoint, I told them in the first year I spoke to all of our junior Cougars players and parents, like, what I want to see, my biggest fear in youth sports is I watch parents celebrate when their kids are done with the sport before they've even gotten to high school because the parents burned out and the kids maybe are burned out, but they're close enough to burned out that they said that I'm thinking about not playing sport whatever next year and the parents go okay like are you kidding me okay you know a fourth or fifth grade kid now they're done with baseball they're done with basketball already so they said we cannot have this I don't mm-hmm. it's not fair to the kids it's not fair to the parents so at the end of the year the only thing I want you to do is reflect were your kids upset on, and when your last tournament was over were your parents upset your last tournament was over or were they all kind of like, oh, my God, on to the next thing? Yeah. You know, and maybe that'll mean a little bit more now after this little lockdown thing we got going. Um, but it was just it was really sad for me to see kids and parents both 
being burned out at the end of seasons when they're in third, fourth, and fifth grade. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think that's probably the hopefully the biggest impact that I've had on our youth sports is let's make sure they're upset when the year's over yeah. that they want to continue to play. I don't. I don't feel like any kid is going to reach his full potential if they're not out in the driveway acting like the high school kids or acting like Michael Jordan after they watch it tonight. Like we've kind of ripped the the um, the way the kids want it more than the, the parents away from these kids. You know, we can all remember growing up. It was about you. Like you want to go. To, you want to play baseball? Right to play the baseball practice. Yeah. But now. Like mom, every grandparent, parents at the first couple practices, they're all in and they're all doing this stuff. And I think we've kind of taken that individual part. Like it's your basketball career, you know. It's not your parents' basketball career. So you know, make sure the kids want more. Make sure they want it on their own. They're not they're not burned out from all these practices and games. I I think that's such a great thing, and and. You know, we would play and play and play. You know, I grew up in a small town. You grew up in a small town. You know, we played, yeah, I mean, back in the 80s, it was because we didn't have video games and, you know, a lot of other things. But, you know, we played for the for the pure joy of it. And, and my son, I didn't play an organized basketball game until I was in seventh grade. And we played all of one game, um, <laughs> you know. And 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 now we we weren't very good. Yeah, maybe that was part of the problem why we weren't very good. But you know, it was it was just uh, you know I think sometimes we're in such a a hurry to to get them going because we don't want to be left behind, uh, or we don't want our kids to be left behind, and we want them to have the same success. That you know, let's just take a step back and let's just you know, there's not a big difference between you know playing 25 games and and playing 40 games. You're not going to get m- that much better between games 26 and 40 compared to what you did up to 25, you know. And so sometimes yeah. less is more, and that's kind of what I'm hearing from you in a lot of ways, Coach. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and we, uh, you know, you hear about all these family, like, well, we're going to Omaha to play basketball this weekend. We're going to Minneapolis next weekend. I'm like, hey, are you undefeated in our area? Like, here in the metro area, the Iowa City area, you can go home, stay in your own bed, and you're not going to be undefeated. If you're undefeated as fifth graders or whatever, sixth graders, okay, go to Des Moines, then, mm-hmm. you know, or, or go to Omaha or whatever it is. But everybody gets caught up, and you have to you have to travel to to be better. Like, oh, there's really good players just around the block. Go find them. Yep, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Coach, any social media that you want to plug for yourself or your program? Oh, I don't do a whole lot of social media. Um, at Kennedy B-Ball is uh, Twitter. and I uh, share a little bit of Kennedy basketball information there, but um, yeah, not a whole lot of social media around here. That, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. So uh, if you want to follow the program, uh, follow Coach McCowan there uh, at Kennedy B-Ball there. So uh, John McCowan from Cedar Rapids, Kennedy. Uh, just a lot of really, really good stuff. Uh, I think you're the first uh, coach to come on talking about switching man-to-man defense and how you guys run that the vast majority of the time. So I know a lot of our folks listening will get some really good things there. Um, you know, Coach, I hope you had a good time. I, I had, I really enjoyed having this conversation with you here this evening. 
Yeah, thanks for having me on. I uh, I did enjoy it. Yeah, it was you know, uh, and and like I said, you keep uh, keep cracking the whip there on Coach Viss and make sure he's doing the job for you. So, um, oh man, he's doing a wonderful job. Yeah, about two seconds after he uh, gave up the girls' position, I I told him I said, hey, anytime you want to get back in it, if it's tomorrow, if it's uh, five years, ten years, you let me know. We got a spot. And he. Uh, he did an absolutely wonderful job with our sophomores this year, and and uh, you know when you're when you're a head coach, um, you don't find a ton of opportunities to move and learn. You know you kind of stay in the same spot, uh, but being able to bring on another coach like this, like not just for me but for the rest of the assistant coaches, just a wonderful opportunity to learn. So uh, we got him signed on for year two, and. We'll just keep taking it one by one, but we absolutely love having him around. He's great for the program. Yeah, just make sure his paycheck goes to Rita. That's all I ask. <laughs> There's no doubt. She works a lot harder at it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll hold the line here a second, Coach, as we wrap things up. Uh, of course, we want to thank our sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic. Uh, again, if you're needing chiropractic services, don't hesitate to call Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi at 402-964-0300. Again, follow us on Twitter, a pen and a napkin. Coach would love to get a follow uh, from at Kennedy B-Ball after we're all said and done here on the Twitter. Um, download, rate, and review. Obviously, you're listening on SoundCloud or iTunes, so give us a five-star review. Forward this out to anybody that might be interested in listening. And, of course, if you have any ideas, suggestions, comments, or questions, email us at penandanapkin at gmail.com. Again, John McCowan from Cedar Rapids Kennedy. It's been a pleasure to have him on the podcast here this evening. Coaches, stay safe. And, as always, be sure to hone your craft one day at a time. (laughs) 